Bad things happen in Philadelphia. Oh, yeah. And what you gonna do? Big, massive dump. Know your mouth and shut your roll. All men. You don't know what our times are, Daddy. That was perfect. You are live here in a pre-recorded way with the driveway athletes. We are back. And I was saying the last time I recorded, uh, Bill, that I was thinking about when I cut these like short little intros, switching it to you're live with the DA. Um, and I'm not sure how I Ew. feel about it. Ew, I feel I feel filthy about it. <laughs> <laughs> I never want DA used. <laughs> oh my god, that's all that's an awful way to start. Can we restart this live to tape? <laughs> we go no edits, Bill. Oh, I'd rather have Harvey Dennis two faces than DA in Philadelphia at this point. <laughs> um, what are you on a mention? Um which I thought this would, it would be fun. Like I did, I really did say that. Like I've been debating going with like, instead of saying you're, you're here with the driveway athletes or doing DWA, um, that DA was one of the ones that I was thinking about. And I figured it would be a nice, funny thing to um, bring up to you with your current Facebook suspension. I prefer jail term. I'm doing hard time than Facebook jail daddy. <laughs> With you, you in Cobb County? Yes, I am with the big both man. <laughs> and DWA sounds way too much like DWI, which you know, also spring knows something about. Yeah, well, you know, it also may fit. Ouch. Um, so we're here recording. Um, Sixers have lost two in a row, correct? The wheels are coming off the Titanic. That's it. Blow uh, it up. Blow it up. Embiid. Soon as said, they needed to add. You might as well get what you can out of Embiid now. Trade him. Get whatever you can. He's done. This is why Tobias Harris is a max player guy. Um, and the Flyers have been on hiatus. Not Sadie Wisdom with the Phantoms. Uh, no, he had a very good game. I just love the name. Wisdom? Oh, I love it. I can't wait to buy that jersey. <laughs> Me and Wisdom so close together. It's going to be epic. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. So, yeah, he had a very nice name game up in, up in uh, Allentown. Big news personally this week. I got a new pair of sneakers. Did you, I didn't Very see the press release for it? Yeah, it was on. It was on my Instagram story. Okay. Yeah, it's the new Dwayne Johnson threes. So I'm basically the Rock now. Oh, is that uh, how that works? Pretty much, sir. Pretty much. My eyebrow goes a little higher. My sense of smell just 
goes through the roof when I wear these. Always beautiful. Always. It is a little disappointing no one asked me to run and how they feel when I try on sneakers nowadays. No, no, you got to see how how they feel. Run up and down the aisle. Yeah, it's very disconcerting that no one says that anymore. But you got to do it just out of like out of like routine, you know. Like you got to keep the tradition alive. It's terrible. I don't even get a lollipop after yeah, they shoot. They kick me out of the kick me out of the Foot Locker for it. This world's full of savages. <laughs> oh man. Oh, man. Uh, getting a bit of an echo. Today, today, today. <laughs> so, um, yeah, we're uh, we're here. Obviously, there's not really much new to report on the flyer side of things. Um, on the, the Lake on this, Tahoe game, the Lake Tahoe game is in jeopardy. They're practicing tomorrow. That game's going to happen. They're going to. If it were the Penguins, it wouldn't happen. Since the Flyers, it will happen. It's the same thing that the, that the NBA did with the Sixers. It was the Celtics. They got to sit down when it was the Sixers. Nope, you got to show up with five players. Well, you might have to skate for them then. Oh, they still have <laughs> goaltenders. No goaltenders on the list. Just all our uh, star players. Well, Sandheim is back, but then Konechny goes on. So, goes yeah, on. It's, so, yeah, not good. Not good, my friend. Um, and, and it kind of points to a little bit of a, an issue with the league, if you will. Because um, there's a straight line. It's not a hypothetical. It's not a whatever. It's a straight line to like the, the outbreaks of teams causing outbreaks in the next team. Um. The Devils, I believe, still have double-digit players in the protocol. It got as high as 17. And within two weeks of the Flyers playing the Devils, they have their own outbreak. Yeah, it's definitely a correlation there. I mean, there's no two ways about it at this point. Which I thought hockey would be one of the lesser teams that could get, you know, Outbreaks. You would between you between would, between opposing teams. You would think so. You would think so because they're not that close upon each other. Um, I would think basketball would be the hardest because they're you know like no helmets. You're always right up there on your defender. Um, but for whatever reason, hockey is having what looks like to be the hardest. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know enough about the virus to say what what um I should say what the correlation is to sport to sport but it does seem like hockey's having a troublesome time so I don't know if that has to do with testing or precautionary measures uh I we're just your bad luck I don't I I don't know it could right it, it could be a combination of all of it I wonder if the like temperature of the rink has something to do with it as well. Um, because it does seem to transmit more in colder temperatures than in warmer temperatures, but even so it's in the same buildings, you know, like, right. Um, it's, 
there there's something there. We always, you know, like I, I will say, like, especially when the NBA first shut down, like you wanted to beat the players up a bit. Um and uh that, uh, that is I did and there's some big guys out there. I'm <laughs> well, who was who was the player that touched everybody's microphone and was making a big joke about it right before the pause? Ah, uh, the one who got it. Wasn't it Gobert? Uh Rudy Go yeah, yes. Wasn't it the, like the one who got it first? Yeah. And then he was he- all right. It's it's one of those things where the correlation really is the person that's most likely to behave that way is the most likely to behave that way in all parts of their life. So it's not crazy that they were the first. But what we've learned is it's even with do, taking all the precautions in the world, you're still going to have risks. We play that jabroni tonight. Well, um, and and Shaq's favorite Donovan Mitchell, but we'll get into that. And I know we we went off about Shaq a little while ago, um, maybe like three weeks ago. But look, I, I've obviously he was a great player when he played and a dominant player when he played and made the other players around him into Hall of Fame. You know, like every player guard that he played with was like Penny Hardaway did not have a very great career when Shaq left. Right. No, no. I don't know if you caught the 30 for 30 on them, but it's it's almost like a what if type of scenario or what wasn't type of scenario. Right. And they could have, pardon the pun, made magic together <laughs> in Orlando. Exactly. Um, but because I, I like both of them coming out of college. I mean, Penny, Penny was just he was great back when he came out of college and Shaq was dominant, made Dikembe Mutombo look like a child in the finals. Oh yeah. And Dikembe wasn't a slouch either. It wasn't well, like, like, like you know, one of the best defensive centers in history yeah. of the league. Yeah. And, and Shaq made him look like me. But the, you, it's like, I'm not taking away from anything that Shaq, I don't know that you could play Shaq's game that like, No, the game has evolved to the point where those days are gone, and I don't know if they're coming back. So I guess my point is is that I don't know that Shaq's game could be played with the way that they call the rules now. It would almost be like the White Howard's game. And he's a hack a minute. He's a fail a minute. Yeah, he re- like he can't do anything. No. No, it's almost like the, the, the refs put the whistle in the mouth as soon as he checks in. And this is not, again, it's not saying, it's just saying like, so Shaq, when he's commenting, is commenting on playing the game like in a way that isn't played anymore. I I don't I don't watch the halftime show or the pregame enough because it just turns me off at this point with Barkley and Shaq and the other jabronis. It just and I and I feel that way about a lot of 
a lot of the pregame and halftime shows throughout football and basketball and even hockey to agree. I just shut it off. Um, I let my mind do a rest in between halftime. Sometimes you need it. Um, and sometimes you're not getting, you're getting fluff. You're yeah. getting, you're getting, go ahead. it's overblown. It's overblown to some degree. Like I don't need them walking over to a basketball court in their shoes. It's just, it's a little much. I don't need Terry Bradshaw with a make, makeshift football field going with a football to explain to me what's going on. Um, so, but what you get here too is like you get, so Kevin Garnett was interviewed recently and he talked about like the game is harder to play. Like these guys, the, these analysts and some people watching talk about like um, the game being, the, the players now not being able to survive back then. And he was basically saying like, yeah, neither can the players from then survive in the game now. Right. It just evolves like everything else. And I, I think that you get these – and then you and I agree, right? You get these analysts that decide that they want to make themselves the show, so they do st- stupid things, um, like saying players aren't good. Like I don't need check, – Check's job isn't to be a motivator of, say, a Donovan Mitchell. It's really not. Or a Joel Embiid. He's not Tony Robbins? No, he's never been. Like, dude, like, some people think he wrote off the coattails of Kobe Bryant. Like, he couldn't do it alone. No, nobody can. Everybody no. needs a second. Absolutely. Especially in basketball with double teams and zone defenses. You just do even the even Jordan had to have a Pippen. You know, like you need to Pippen have a or a Horace Grant in the first go around. Yeah, like you need, yeah, like you need that type of player. Type you need another player. player. Nobody wins it alone. Nope. And, and I think they forget that. Yeah, and, and you know, like here's the next thing I'm going to say is because there's been all the hoopla about about Brady and and whatnot, and and I feel like we get because we always obsess about who's the next one and who you know like that we forget that these are team games and this is not to take anything away from Brady, but he plays half the game, you know, and I can't argue against his success, but other things do need to fall in line as well. Like a stellar defense, offensive line protection, like football is the ultimate team sport. And I think if if Brady had Patrick Mahomes' protection, he would have been a body bag by halftime. Well, look at look at how he played against Green Bay. Like they get the win, but he throws what like two to three interceptions late in the game. It was three, three, three interceptions late in the game. And this is not me saying that Tom Brady is not the best quarterback to ever play the game. That is not what I am here saying. I'm just pointing to we get a little too obsessed a little too obsessed about it because we like, and maybe I think that's, I think that's the nature of the position. They get too much credit and too much blame. 
but and maybe quarterback and football is the best correlation between like that position and winning because we don't do it with any other position in any other sport the same way like we don't rag on the ace pitcher unless he himself had a bad game if we don't go this person doesn't have enough rings to have been good right no one says that argument with Barry Bonds well I mean Anybody who says anything different about Barry Bonds is a dope. Touche. Um, I mean, you can make the PED argument, but I also feel like you are the era that you play in. And that was the era that he played in as well. So you'd have to disqualify everybody from that era. Absolutely. And that- there's, there, you, you, you don't know. Right. Exactly. You don't know who was and who wasn't. And it seems like it was a pretty open thing. <laughs> so um, to, to sit there and... It, wa- it wasn't against the baseball rules at that time. So to not have a suspicious eye about everybody is a little naive, a little juvenile. So my, my, my point is, I guess overall is we get a little too hyper-focused and I'm not saying that championships aren't important but they can't be like so what is is Brian Dawkins not a great free safety nobody gives a shit if he won a Absolutely. Super Bowl no because there was 52 other guys right and it's a position that you don't correlate it to but why do we make it about certain players their greatness is tarnished in some way because it's just it's easy on un- unintelligent fans who get you know steamroll and everything you know everything falls on one position and they can focus on that one position rather than look at an entire game like a knowledgeable person would they focus on the one position that the laser position of quarterback it's I, I don't know. You know like it's become the thing of an, just great annoyance to me um and like everything falls on Wentz everything fell on McNabb it's not and they don't look at the whole because they're not very intelligent and there's not like there aren't criticisms for for McNabb you know there's very valid critiques but he didn't throw the ball at Joe, Joe Jar, Jarvicious to, to take it down the sideline, the thing that haunts my dreams. He didn't decide to neglect the linebacker position completely um, or wide receiver position completely. There's so much that goes into it. You know, and, I, and again, it's not me, this is not me sitting here saying Donovan McNabb is Tom Brady. I don't think either of us are saying that. We're just saying that, like, you know, you got to look at some more factors. Sometimes things need context and the only focus on that. And then that's, you know, like maybe that's the difference between very good and great or great and, you know, all world. But look, I mean, is is Brady six times the quarterback as Aaron Rodgers or or, Drew Drew Brees Manning? Yeah. 
is so I guess here here's another way to put it for for the non-football people. Is Martin Brodeur that much better of a goaltender than Dominic Hasek? The answer is no. I think I think looking back, Martin Brodeur was a big proponent of the system they played. That is the that is the common feeling now is that like the system like he would have he is he's obviously very good right there is no argument there. Yeah, he's obviously very good but he became martin brodeur because the system in front of him made it so that you know like he wasn't facing horrible nights night in night night out so my no he wasn't facing terrible shots was facing you know 40 shots a, a game you know, it, it was frustrating to just get in a good look against those Devils teams. And then it, on top of it, you then had to play against a very good goaltender. It's not like, oh, if we get a shot, it might just trickle in. Now, you have to beat Martin Brodeur. But my, my point is, is if you were starting a franchise tomorrow and you knew how these guys played, you'd take Hashik every time. Who you called lucky. In, in, your, my, in your former younger in my, years. In my teenage years, because at, like when you're learning how to play that position, you're never going to be taught that, you know, like you're never like you're never going to coach that. You're never going to want someone that you coach to do that. And it looks on paper like if you're watching it, you're like, oh, he just flung his arm out. But the reality is, is the guy was a competitor till the end. You know, like I watch back in as an adult. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, this guy never gave up on a play. Nah, he was he was relentless. And that's how you end up with those things over and over again, is because some guys in that one hesitation will go, shit, that puck has to be in, or where the fuck is it? And he's still trying. Yeah. And has the athletic ability to keep trying. But I, this is a perfect encapsulation of what I'm trying to get across. If you were starting a franchise, you can't you can't predict a Brady. He's not physically the best player. He you know, like he he's got something, but if you were starting a franchise, even know what you know knowing what you know now, on paper, as a quarterback, not based on championships, Peyton Manning is a better quarterback. But it's the same thing that I'm talking what we were talking about with, with Andy Reid. But you can't discount the championships. And that's what pushes Tom Brady into the greatest of all time. But it like where it, it where I get aggravated is who you know, who's the, the next quarterback? Lawrence, he's gonna be the number one pick. Yes. Some of Mahomes, even. They're gonna have to live in this Tom Brady shadow forever. 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 And Kobe, Kobe went through with and, Mike. LeBron's been through right. with Mike. And we like maybe the next generation didn't feel that way, but like I feel like for Kobe, the love that he has now is not the way it was when he was a player. I agree completely. And it's not. Yeah. It wasn't that way until after Shaq had left and he had that success did he start gaining the, that kind of momentum to a degree yeah yeah I think well he changed he got, he got only old. matured himself yeah he matured himself but my my point is no he, he 
when he first broke in, he was the kid out of high school, the brash, young, sometimes arrogant, mostly arrogant rookie. And then he, you know, he grew, he matured. Um, but but the the point is is that we need to just appre- these guys only come around once a generation. And to only appreciate them at the end of their career or after they're done, because we've got to continuously compare them to the last. You're taking your own joy away. Boxing does it all the time or did it all the time. And it, it was never appreciate what they're doing. It's always a comparison to years going by. The, rea- the reality is, and we might not want to ever admit it, but the reality is, is like, no matter what, even without rules changes, the game changes. People find the ways that beat the last guy. So that doesn't work anymore. So then the sport starts to look different. This is true in all fucking sports. This isn't just boxing or football or, you know, like things change. Any other constantly, they constantly because every game is a series of minuscule battles in every sport. And once you learn the edge on whatever that person was doing, what, what that person was doing doesn't work anymore. Or it only worked for that person. And what your obsession with are they as good or what, it, like, it also ignores all that type of context. So you get this, like, you know, is, is, was Tyson better than Ali? Or was Lennox Lewis better than Tyson? Or, you know, like... It's like, Jesus Christ, by the time you end up. Was Rocky better than Apollo? <laughs> but they at least fought each other. Um, twice, right? Um, twice, twice. But the point is, is that especially when you're, you're, you're comparing a 20-year gap or a 15-year gap. Um, I just feel like in some cases a fun discussion and in some cases it takes all the joy out of the room. Uh, yeah, I tend to side that way. I mean, they're comparisons that can't really be made due to rule changes and game changes. It's it just seems like it's a discussion that has no and answer. it never will, no, and it never weak. will. And then you're also again, maybe in a player's later point, but I also feel like we put a lot of pressure on young players and some of them can rise to it. And and that's part of being a professional athlete. But like uh, I myself have uh, come a little bit of a way with like, I I want a player to have a couple good years before we start talking about historical, you know, historical comparables. No, it's, it's the microwave generation. It's the 24 seven sports news cycle. You know, in, in our day, aging myself, you had seven minutes on a nightly newscast. That was it. That's well, all the there sports was, you ESPN got. ESPN was out when we were younger. But it was just a highlight clip show. In our in our grade school, yeah. Yeah, but it, it had yeah. wrestling on in the middle of the afternoon. It wasn't a, a news network. It didn't have to produce No, it was content. a clip They were clip shows. They play the highlights and give you the final score and stats. It wasn't. I feel like, and I don't know which one came first, but I feel like when we went to this like argument-based television 
is when all of this got worse. And I don't know if it was politics or sports that did it first, but everything's like you have to have an anchor, a co-anchor, and maybe a guest, and you're going to argue some stupid topic that's meaningless. Everything's a debate. But winning, like... Winning the most inane of things. Debates aren't a good way to get to the truth. They're a good way to learn how to argue or do a thought experiment. Now, and the same two guys can't disagree on everything. There's a certain comedic thing that, that, that goes into that. So I don't even believe that these people have the opinions no. they believe or claim. And it to used do. to be one of those things where it was a, a thought experiment. And then it just became the only topic. Well, what was the what was the the Kornheiser one? I think that was the first one I remember where they just constantly oh, argued. Yeah, pardon over. the interruption. Yes, that's the one I think that started everything off. And now there's every right. show that does it. right, and it's unbearable. You know, if 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 at two o'clock, you know, Miss and Ellie argue with Tyrone Johnson over everything and came to agreement on nothing. It's like, dude, you guys are cartoon characters well, playing a role. Well, it's also just, again, like you two, like I feel like, and maybe you and I are just part of a dying, like we're an in-between generation, I feel like. The people who are holding the microphones are a generation older than us. Um, and the people, I feel like the younger generation's punched out, you know, like, so we're stuck a little bit in this middle where we expect content and they're trying to fight for these the for the young generation that's tuned them out. That's an argument to be had. Absolutely. We're part of we the are. generation we X. Two words for What's you. Funny is we're like actually still even in the in-between there. I consider myself generation Um X. You may be, and that one year difference between you and I is, I believe, the difference between the tail end of Generation X and the um, beginning of Millennial. Ah, so you're a it millennial. It depends what, what thing you're looking at. Did you have avocado toast yeah. for breakfast? Then yeah, you're not well, a millennial. Remember, everything's a stereotype. You know, like um... <laughs> I was tongue firmly <laughs> in cheek. But the point being is, is that like there is just an amount of this is the way we do things, and it's not fun for anybody. I don't know that the hosts are having fun doing that. The types of shows they have to do. It seems exhausting. I don't know that the people. They're playing a they're playing a the role. Listening and calling in or having fun. I don't know that people watching the game are having fun. Sports are supposed to be fun. They're supposed to be an outlet. They're supposed to be an escape. You know, like unless you're watching well, the Phillies bullpen. Then you turn like my feeling is, is, and I know that this probably makes me a shitty fan. You turn it off. I'm not going to make myself miserable over something that I'm choosing to do. I think a little bit of 
self-harm includes me yeah, liking so it's, it's your version of cutting <laughs> your version of cutting is watching the um the phillies bullpen there's and no other way to explain it bun. delicious cheese. So, um you and i had talked a little bit offline uh with your feedback about my my feedback of the nineties flyers and uh, your words where I'm not sure that they hurt who they hurt more. You or Eric Lindros. And um, point taken fair. Cause I feel like it looks like this, this is going to, you'll get where I'm going. It's, it's going to tie back in. Um, so my point is and why some of these topics get me so worked up is we haven't had somebody of the caliber of player as Eric Lindros in a Flyers jersey since. You're not Kellen Eliubraskala. The only player that would come close would be Chris Pronger towards the end of his career, who was great. But even then, even at the end of his career, but we only had him for what, a season? Before he he was done, before he got that eye injury, yeah. So, and then yeah. this is not a knock against Prongs. This is not a knock against Giroux. This is not a knock against Mike Richards and and uh, Jeff Carter. It's not a knock against Simone Gagne uh, or Keith Primo. Uh, it just is. They none of those players were a top three player in the league at the time that they had a Flyers crest on their jersey. It's been a while before we a true, a true, a true top player in the league or in that conversation. And um, I've had to sit here. You've had to sit here and watch the Penguins go from Lemieux and Yager to Crosby and Malkin. And I, as a Flyers fan, had to watch us run Eric Lindros out, out of town, which is fine. He was at the end of his career. But we also didn't appreciate him during his playing. Well, you and I may be different, but the callers and the writers didn't really appreciate him at his time either. It was always about what he didn't get done. They just harped on, harped on the, the negative, which Philadelphia loves to do and prides so themselves. So where on I get worked up is to be like to be honest with you. I'm not saying that Clark didn't try to win a cup when he was here. I'm not saying that Ed Snyder didn't spend as much money as he could to try and have it happen. But I mentioned something to you as a, this is what the Flyers were doing at that time. They make a trade for Paul Coffey in 1996, I believe, 1997. I think it was after we lost, it was after we lost to the Devils on uh, Claude Lemieux's uh, three quarters of the ice right. shot. So they make a trade for Paul Coffey, who is at that time a 15-year veteran in the league. He's a Hall of Famer at that point. Everybody knows it. Paul Coffey is a little long in tooth, though. They give up a first-round pick and a player for Paul Coffey. The next year, they trade away Paul Coffey, and they get a fifth-round pick in return. Hell of a parlay, wasn't it? I get deals to try and get you over the hump. I get it. 
that is bad management. That is one hundred percent. Bob Clark is a GM. Bob Clark is a player. I I would have loved, but it was before my time. Bob Clark is a GM. They had middling mm, not success. So much. Now I loved the, those late mid nineties, early two thousands teams. I loved, but when you look at it from a an executive position, they are lucky there wasn't a cap. Because it was mistake after mistake after mistake bowed out by your high-end talent. They were too too top-heavy to succeed in a game where, as you can see by today's game, you need need to roll for it. Even in that era, you needed to have really two top lines and two top defensive lines. And 88-10... Um, obviously great players. Desjardins, obviously, you know, I have nothing negative to say about him. I don't even have anything that negative to say about the other top four defensemen, just that they didn't go out and get highly skilled players other than the names that I'm talking about. They got a lot of guys that fit a particular mold. It's why you give $9 million to Chris Gratton. He fits a mold. They tried to hide their yeah. weaknesses well, and with what they did. It, it kept them afloat until it all, the wheels blew off. And my, my annoyance when I, when I talk about this is that there are things to not like Eric Lindros about. Right there are there are things to, that you can genuinely gripe, and I I said it to you, and I, and I've said it on the air. Having your father as your agent is 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 something to gripe with an adult about. Um, it is not easy. I don't envy Bob Clark's position to have to negotiate with someone's father and say how much they believe their son is worth. You know, like good luck, good luck. It's a recipe for disaster. But the problems with that relation. It's not the problem with that relationship started much earlier than I think we really knew. Um, the, the seeds were planted in this content right. well before we and started. I feel like we as a city we do this with certain types of players. So you and I agreed in that exchange of messages. Allen is, if not one, two, right? In that discussion of players we got to watch that we love that we think we're at the height of you know like we're as good as build and uh did the most with what they had the sixers didn't do a great job of right because we we thought we are behind dr Dr. J. uh even charles's run here we are a little young for um little young yeah and allen was a legit top player in the league not just and between between Charles and AI, it was desolate. And then it was desolate eight, from years. AI to MP. Uh, it was really desolate some, between AI and Embiid. And we're not and talking some about of that was by choice, right? Especially when they went in when they decided you have to be bad. When they bring Hinky in and say you've got to be bad. Um, it was desolate even before then. You know, you're bringing in Glenn Robinson, the big dog. Bynum. Andrew Bynum. Weber at the end of his career. The Bynum, the Bynum thing, 
the Bynum that trade, I think, yeah. was a spiral. That that was that was the death knell. When he'd rather go bowling and salsa dance. That was it. That's when you admit. I think that was, all right. We can't keep going on this carousel. Uh, as Daenerys Targaryen would say, you had to blow up the wheel. <laughs> so, my 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 annoyance, my frustration is not with the players. In a lot of cases, it's that. If you don't give your chance to enjoy the player when they're here, you just don't know when a player of that caliber will be back. They are not a guarantee. There are only so many of them. People should learn to appreciate what they have because it might not be here tomorrow. I mean, again, um, Phillies fans, not not big on Cliff or – God damn it, why is his name always skip me? Cole Hamels, thank you. Cole Not Hamels. high on Cole Hamels. Well, because he talked like this and he didn't match the image of the but guy they had in our heads. Is then don't give me some bullshit thing that all you care about is rings. Because then it's not true. This guy was a World Series MVP. Brought you your first championship to this city in a long time. But he was a California kid. But then, again, don't like. give me bullshit that it's only about championships because it's not. I got my Hamels jersey just waiting to the be brought out. nothing wrong to anybody. It's not like there were these stories that he, you know, caused a lot of trouble throughout the city. Guy didn't bother anybody. They just didn't like the sound the, of his voice. It's Ryan Howard. But that's a whole other discussion. Well, I think I you and I probably—I don't even think they really appreciated Jimmy Rollins that much. No, no. Yeah, but these he guys it as it was. got you a World Series win and a World Series appearance the following year. That 08 to eleven run, or should I say oh seven? The year before I was the division yeah. title as well. Was the best time, yeah, the best time of being a Phillies fan ever. It was a five-year period that wasn't replicated before or or after in my lifetime. Or since. And my, I'm not even a baseball fan. (laughs) I mean, I can watch it. I enjoy going to a game. But out of the four major sports, it's my least favorite. Um, and, and by that same token, it might be by most favorite. It's above hockey for most people, which I get. I'm not, no, no arguments. But my point is, is enjoy it while you got it. And I just feel like this city is incapable. It is incapable and of doing that. You run these guys. Or you want, they, they love harping on weaknesses. That's like such an old way of thinking. Because here's the way, me as someone who's like has to manage people, the new way in talking about like, you know, like the old way of managing people would be like, oh, you write people up and you hope that they fix their problems and you you focus in on their issues. The new way of doing it is you figure out how you can minimize their issues and maximize what they're good at. 
What did that would go back to what Jeffrey Lurie said about uh, emotional intelligence yeah. when well, I mean, Peter This is correct. the way that people think of things now. When you're dealing with adults, the idea that someone is going to change, how many adults do you know that change how they are or who they are? Right. Right. Very few. So you have to look at what it is they do well, try to get the most out of it, and try to hide as much as you can what they're weak at. Sometimes what they're weak at is a fatal flaw, and they're going to be out of the in sports phrases, they're going to be out of the league. That's not usually what you're talking about when you're talking about your 1% of 1%, you know? And yeah, you're right. That's Jeffrey Lurie talking about Doug Peterson when he comes in and emotional intelligence. You can't, though, that the the hard-headed coach don't work anymore. Yelling at guys. And not with today's generation. Not with today's generation. Honestly, I think that it worked for some guys. And we focus on those and not the other guys that blew a ton of franchises up. I, I don't crack into what days are going. I'm going to tell you and, and people should try to put themselves in, in, in a frame of mind here. I don't know that that ever really works. Maybe the, the, the one time and we get obsessed with it. I just don't know that it worked then. I don't know that treating people. What's that? Well, man, I don't know if this if this is a conversation, but you can well, rally against that person, and that was that's the way it could work. I mean, the lore is that's what um, Herbie did with the 1980 team, make himself right. That's where I would go. And I that's don't exactly know, where you I would know, go. like. I feel like that's also a bit of the Shaq motivator thing. You know, like how many times did that not work? You don't know because it's just like, this guy's a dick. We got to get him out of here. You know, like it has to work. Right. It's like only, only winning, te- only winning teams have good team chemistry. There's well, no losing teams that like each other. Like um, chemistry. And argue. there can be some of that, but the reality is, is winning cures those things you put up with more when you're winning from your idiot teammate or um, from your idiot coach or as a coach from your idiot players when you're winning you put up with more the same thing with parcels you put up with more from your stars than you do your role players I'm sure that if Dennis Rodman pulled on a sub 500 team what he pulled with the Bulls going to Nitro Rather than pack practice, I don't think it would have worked. Well, look at how much released. it worth in with Allen at the end. And he was Allen Iverson. Yeah. So my I guess like my gripe isn't I'm not saying you have to put up with or you can't criticize a, an athlete. That's ridiculous. But I also have to think about like how like how miserable should you let yourself get because you think that an athlete's not not giving it their all and i was listening to a podcast by the name of nasty knuckles a couple weeks ago and they had mike richards on i don't know if i shared with you his story but he basically said he seems to be doing okay these days by the way um if you don't like go he's he's not he's not i think like yeah he's younger than we are i believe so um but by professional athlete standards, that is old. Um, 
so he's tells us he was telling this story about uh, before a game, you know, like he had to, you have to eat. <laughs> and he went to a restaurant in old city and there was another patron there who was mad at him for being, for eating before a game at a restaurant in old city that he should have been preparing. And they had a good laugh. They had a good laugh. Cause they're like, Oh, obviously he wanted it more than I did. Right. Like, or that's what the guy believed. But the reality is, is like, we also get obsessed about, well, I want the guy to be the hardest worker in the room. And I've got news for you. Other than the few players that we just mentioned, most of these guys are the hardest worker in the room. Always. You don't. Yeah, I, I, well, these fans are stupid. No, but there's, there's also <laughs> no other a way to put it, man. Like get a one is a, a little bit of get a grip on yourself, but two, there's also a lack of just understanding just how good of a player someone has to be to get to the professional league, and then there's a lack of understanding that just how good you have to be to be the best player on that team in that professional league. And if you even know someone who played in college, they are probably the best athlete you've ever met in your life. And this player is better than that. So. There's an unmaskable sense of jealousy to people and resentment to athletes yeah, but that possess a skill that they don't have. Don't always just innately possess that skill. You know, like, and we're going to say Mike Richards because that's who we're talking about. He's been on skates since at least he was six. Right. I'm sure his parents drove him around to every tournament right. in the area that he lived. And when he went to juniors, I'm sure he had to move away from his family to try to realize his dream and live with another family. Yeah, there was comm- they don't commitment even and dedication that they, they didn't they make. You don't even get that. They have and, no idea to understand. Um, it's, I'm not going to mention the, the names because, you know, like, I don't think that's, that's fair, but I went to high school with a kid who ended up playing for um, Boston. He was the best player in this area in every league that he played in the best. Bruins, <laughs> the Patriots or Red Sox. Oh, okay. And All right. See, I, I had no idea. Played in the AHL. He's a Northeast Philly kid. If you played hockey, you know who I'm talking about. But nonetheless, it was not me either. He was the best player in every league in this area. If he was on the ice, he was the best player. He was never the captain of the Flyers. (laughs) You know, like, and, and this is what I'm trying to get across to the, like, you should be preparing. You have no idea. You just have no idea. When I trained mixed martial arts, I would go to the gym early. There would be a guy training for fights at the time in a regional promotion. He was doing an amount of work that I would cons- that would have. And he's there. There's nobody else in the gym but him and his coach. And he's there putting in rounds that you don't understand. And guess what? That's everybody that makes it onto a television or broadcast fight, you know, like they put understand. And then we complain because they gassed like, Oh, I guess they didn't do enough cardio. Well, you don't know why they gassed. You don't know. 
my my point is is that like when you get mad or you don't think someone's working hard enough you have zero clue zero clue and i'm just talking about people my dumb ass has run into i never ran into a mike richards level player <laughs> i can't Saying that he should be prepared would interrupt his dinner for christ's sake and that's I guess where I'm getting at is like, it's fair to make criticisms. Somebody makes mistakes, you know, like Scott Lawton takes that dumb penalty at the end of the game. Uh, that lo- ends up ba- basically being the dagger that loses the game for the flyers. He deserves criticism for it. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is this belief that these guys don't work hard. Every one of them does, except for maybe buying them when he was bowling instead. Going to continue well, to criticize. That's for a different for, kind of criticism. But it's. I hate his face. But it's a different. Sorry. Kind, it's a different there kind I said of criticism. It. I think Felt that there cathartic. are criticisms that are like. You can talk about. You can talk about. Does he need to force every shot? Um, those are fair discussions. But when you're talking. But when you when you why say that red shoes, like he's the Y player doesn't work hard enough, you don't know. And well, also, like most people don't know. I just what they wish don't that know. we could appreciate whatever good players we have while, for the time that they're here. Ben Ben Simmons, like Carson Wentz and Zach Ertz. But I think Ben Simmons is going to be here longer than people I, think. This is not a mean. I hope so. Putting a flag in anywhere. I'm just saying when you've got an all-star player on your team, <laughs> um, who, right? Like he, to me, he's a he's a lot like the Sixers Couturier. He plays. A- I think the he's the expectation. He's the number one pick, right? So you that a little bit with that. But look, we compare LeBron James to Michael Jordan because he's comparable to Michael Jordan. Whether you think that he is a is as he is as Michael Jordan, that's the argument. But the fact that the argument can take place at all. It's also right the reverse when we get all we can circle all the way back to to the middle of this conversation. When we're comparing Ben Simmons to LeBron James, he's younger than we think he is. And give him some time before we decide he's the next one or not the next one or not good enough. Or just highlight the well good, so many things. Hide well. the bad. That's it, and that's accentuate really, the positive, hide the negative. I feel like this year's scoring is even down compar- comparable to his own career, but he's playing a better game of basketball. His defense is top notch. His rebounding at a guard position is top-notch. He sets up guys for open three-pointers, which you can't, you know, you can't just say that's, you can't just disregard the fact that he leads the league in it. 
assists on three-pointers. It doesn't happen by accident. I mean, there's something to that. He's not Lillard. He'll never he just be don't know the game. It's not a game. Just, yeah. You know, you just, you just don't know the game. And that's – so – You're just boot, you're just bootlicking off of somebody. Something else said, and, and then, now it's become a whole, whole right. narrative and, of and, his and career. Also, like, what about rallying around our players when it becomes a national joke? I thought we're Philly. No one likes us. We don't care. We stuck up for fucking gritty. We can't stick up for Ben when these idiots have these things to say. He's winning games. Who the fuck cares? They're no one. To- yeah, yeah. Eighteen and, and then everybody Everybody loves Giannis, and I get not a bit, not a bad place to be. A great player. Milwaukee's underperforming. Milwaukee's underperforming. Miami's underperforming. Boston's underperforming. Everybody wanted to run and beat out of town a couple years ago. How they feel now? How they feel? A year ago. A year ago. Oh, yeah, that's right. Last year, they wanted to run out of town in the playoffs. Yeah, um, not that long ago. But my, my can't point find is, these people nowadays, can you? Bead, whatever, you know, like if he never played, they were going to be in the same boat anyway. Um, but even when they took him, you sometimes you do have to take the potential, and the potential for Embiid was. The ceiling was unlimited for a center. You know, like take generational talent. And we still can't generational talent. until this year. When he hits his prime. And he was very good to great before he even MVP. hit his prime. And that's he great. was a fat piece of shit, according to Charles Barkley and Jack. That's that's rich. <laughs> if that's because again, the if he, played, the if he had black, the, the heavier body, he has lost weight. I'm not going to sit here and say he hasn't, but if he had the heavier body in their era, he could throw it around. You can't do that in this era. You're going to get called for a charge every time. If you look at what gets called a charge now, it's barely anything. Imagine Shaq. He'd be fouled out in the first half. I think your Dwight Howard now oh, is absolutely. kind of a good comparison because that's the way the game is called now. You cannot just have contact. So, um, it's just a foul a minute at this point. <laughs> he, he had a foul. Oh, got a, uh, looked like he was trying a, uh, like a hip toss. Looked like he did a whip to the ropes and was trying to hip toss. A little fit Finley. Yeah. He is. He is. I mean, he's probably a Hall of Famer now, but man, he would have been in the 80s if he was there. But Holy shit. And then we, we'll be able to wrap wrap up soon. But my, my point is, is that sometimes you do have to take a pause and appreciate what you got. That's all. You know, like, I'm not saying that everybody's above criticism. <laughs> But when's the next time you're going to get to see a, a Joel Embiid or a Ben Simmons caliber player in a Sixers uniform? 
after these guys retire or move on, well, how bad do they have to be? They don't, how they don't come along every day. You had to be really bad. Hopefully, Daryl Moore. Hopefully, Daryl Moore will be our GM for twenty. But you had to be really bad for <laughs> so a couple of years. At least we'll have that nailed down. Not one season, not two seasons. Which is also why the lottery's dumb. But it makes more sense in basketball than it does in hockey because one player can turn your franchise around. So it makes sense to tank. Um, but nonetheless, the lottery is also like if there wasn't a lottery, the Sixers wouldn't have had to been as bad as they were for as long as they were. My own two cents. Right. And I always love right. bringing up like when the Sixers were in their process, people were holding up the Knicks as an example for why you don't have to do that. The Knicks are currently still terrible. The Sixers are. They're, they're making improvements. Bill. I think they'll be in a playoff thing. Bill. No, we don't argue and yell at each other, but. Is this where we playoffs, argue and yell at each other? Big. Making the playoffs. Can't, can't exactly use big words and yell like Stephen A. Smith? That might be the worst possible thing you do. Didn't we learn anything from the process? If you. Let's, yeah, if Sam proved anything, improvements. it's that you like you need to have either gotten one of those top picks and gotten one of those one of those players, or had someone fall that was just a mistake by every team. But you need one of those players. There's no, come on, who who was everybody? Who did everybody lose their mind over? Is the rookie of the year? Um, the Sixers traded, and everybody lost their mind over it. Yeah, my, my, Michael Carter Williams, right? Michael Carter. MCW. Is, he's MCW. a nice player. MCW. Is he a player that you build around? And in the NBA, more than any other sport, other than a quarterback in football, you need a the player. It just he. He was a rookie of the year and a sophomore. Because if you kept him, you would have been mediocre. You would have been right back to where you were. And this isn't a knock against Michael Carter-Williams. He's just not Joel Embiid. He's in the, Right. Right. Hmm. He's a nice piece. That's all. No, and He's in today's league, you need at least two transcendent players, not even just one. Bradley Beal is, is knocking down 50 a game and still losing. No, and he's playing. Yeah, he's not helping the Wizards win a championship, and it's not enough. And the Brooklyn had two, and still went out to go and get a third. It's just so when you. It's almost like you can never have enough. The Knicks are risking themselves. They would be better being bad. And my point is, is the Sixers now for three years in a row, and last year was they were not really a contender. But for three years in a row, are uh, truly a legit contender to be in the conversation, the the championship conversation. The Knicks aren't make the playoffs or not; they're not, and that's the the worst place you can be is a bottom seed. No.
I think the other aspect of that is you have to look at that New York, for whatever reason, is a yeah, prime you, you free still, agent. They market, may, so maybe but they also you still that, run the risk way. of the way the cap works. If you make one bad decision there, you're st- you, you need to really draft these guys. Other than if for some reason you've got enough cap space in the right year that the, the big free agents are free agents. The things have to break correctly, too. You're better off being it's a lot of, being lot of luck and fortuity that come into play. The hamster wheel. Rather than get stuck in that uh, too good to that be bad, be, too like, bad and, to be good. To, to, again, we're, we're continuing, Greg, because this is a topic that's true across all leagues. But like where football, where you don't have the guaranteed contracts, you're more likely to just be able to, to do that. You know, like you can go. That's why teams in that league go from worst to first and first to worst more frequently. But this, the good teams typically stay good, um, typically. Um, but you can do it because a bad contract, other than maybe the Eagles, isn't going to sink you for four years or longer. I think that's the fear they had now that guys like Wentz and Watson and to a degree Wilson want out. Well, now they're, they're going to be left with contract. Do, either they're going to have to look so at contract length or bonus future. It's a simple fix. It's a simple fix. Give the guys all their bonus money the first year of the fucking contract mm-hmm. instead of trying to spread it out. And then when, if you have to cut them later, they've got their, you know, you're not hitting it all the year you cut them. I also just don't – I think that they're going to be a better system for all leagues when it comes to these contracts because I don't think it's great for fans to be stuck with guys who can't even make the team. Like how good was it for Flyers fans when you had Le Cavalier on your cap? Guy couldn't even, guy couldn't even get on the rink. That being said, the team should pay a penalty for – Wasn't too handsome. Um, for making bad deals. You can't just bail them out. But it's not good for fans to make that go on for 10 years either. We're in a market, Philadelphia, that can absorb that kind of pain. If you're in Ottawa or another smaller market and you get a couple buyouts, the team just might not be able to sign other talent because it's the thing. Yeah. It's also just not good for the fans. How, you get, how, how do you want to go could fold. to a game? Again, if a team's got a tank, how do you sell tickets? How do fans want to go? Yeah, you'll sell tickets when you turn it around. How long could a turnaround take? Again, we're in a market like Philadelphia. They can they can afford it. People are still going to buy jerseys. People are, you know, they're still going to have a television deal. In other markets, it might not work. So they've got to, all these leagues have to figure. Yeah, all these leagues got to figure it out a little bit it's, on where's the, the fear that all here. leagues have. Um, but. That being said, teams shouldn't just be able to sign guys to contracts that only mean something to the player and not to the team. I don't think that's good business either. Which is why I don't care when players want out, honestly, because only the team has to honor the contract, or only the player has to honor the contract. I know. But. Um, right, I, I agree. On that regard, what, do I, what does the Carson Wentz saga look like? Um, 
I think we're at day 15 of Groundhog Day now. Um, nothing new, nothing new to report. Just a whole it bunch of rumors like and people with blue checks. Like, the, there's you know, some crossover between up. Carson Wentz and GameStop. That there's value, Meaning. and at the longer it goes, the value, like the value is hidden, and the longer it goes, the value actually becomes worse, not better. And it's only valuable as long as several people agree it's valuable. Um, and if you wait long enough, you could pay a penny for it. <laughs> That's what I think their teams are trying to do. They have to get them. They, they know there's a gun that he said that they have That's to not quote unquote trade Carson. Teams know that. And then there's bonuses that are due out at different times. That and you teams get, know that. Just, you don't want to have idiots. So, um, the the what you're asking for today, if there are several suitors, could change very drastically when it becomes a lot more on you to get this money off of your plate. Oh yeah, oh, trade yeah. value seriously declines when and, teams know you have to trade that person. It's why we didn't get much for Charles Barkley. Uh, it's why we didn't get hardly anything for Allen Iverson. Right. When teams are, and, you know, over can, a barrel and they have to get rid of somebody. It doesn't always have to be less because if there's several teams can get a guy interested, it can drive the price back to a more normal price. But the reality is, is that no one's going to overpay in this situation. Nobody's going to overpay. He's not like, for, he's not viewed in the same regard as Deshaun Watson. And when you have the Deshaun Watson situation out there, he is going to command less. That's just the way it is. Deshaun Watson is viewed as a better quarterback. They're close. Yeah. Even though statistically for four years, but they are comparable. Um, just not over the one. That's just the way the league views it. And we'll see. But the only good thing on the Eagles side would be that it doesn't seem like Houston is all that interested in trading Watson. Which I don't know. No, they're staunchly saying they're against which it. Which I don't at this understand. Point, I don't which understand. Could be ugly. Don't wanting someone who's going to be a malcontent. Um, they could, they could, but it's not a good. It's not a good. No, hand. They, they could be playing, playing a card the game too. Hand. Yeah, yeah. So you're going all in with two eights um, unsuited. That's two bad. eight unsuited. Um, We'll see. It seems like Chicago is the only one that had a tangible deal on the table. Chicago and Indianapolis, you're dealing Chicago with people who Indianapolis have been to Philadelphia with Carson, right? So does that bode? Yeah. And I, does it, that yeah. bode There's better specs, for each article each. that came out about Carson being terrible to deal with if guys that are have been around him still want to pay yeah true it could go person to person you know he could have worked well under this guy and just didn't respect the other guy enough 
that article that came out, you, you know, and I, I mean, it's, for Doug, it, it could go I'm person to person, you know. I don't even know if he's stupid enough to put an article Seems out there that personal. completely disparages a quarterback when he has to trade him. It does seem personal. Uh, but I don't think how he deals with the local reporter. I think he's on a national level. Yeah, The but, stuff that comes out with I mean, the chefs exactly and the rapports of the world, I think, comes from Howie. <laughs> but nonetheless... Um... I don't want to get into that effing guy's head. I, st- I still want to, you know, keep drafting good fantasy so, football. Uh, I don't want to get too much in the head. What we'll close Howard. with today is uh, we're sitting here today, Monday. Um, this will be live Tuesday. We don't really know. Looks like the Flyers are supposed to be back to practicing tomorrow, uh, which would be today if you're listening uh, to get you through that tongue twister. Um but a couple weeks ago, Patrick Laine, who was discussed with being a trade target of Philadelphia in the offseason, traded to Columbus. Um, subsequently has scored a goal a game since he was there, um, but has already run into some issues with their coach, who is a notorious hardhead. So, yeah, torts. Um, which anybody who like knows knew that this would happen, just don't think expected it to come so soon. Um, but there's a good chance Torts isn't there after the season, but there's still, no matter what, a good chance that Line is not there after the season. So I guess my question to you for us to wrap up as a thought experiment is if that situation in Columbus becomes untenable and you make a call, Blue Jackets, who are usually in your division but aren't this year. Um, and they say one of the pieces that they want for line A is Travis Konechny. Is that a deal you'd entertain? It, I would, through gritted teeth, I would entertain it. I wouldn't like it. But to get something you got to give something. You know, it's the age-old debate, but it's it's worth exploring. I don't want to give TK up, right. and but I, for a player of his caliber, you might have to, to get the deal done. It's not like they're taking, you know, <laughs> draft picks. Yeah, you're not, yeah, not going to trade up on him in a name fourth. A, name, it, name a fourth liner here. But, um... I think that if the – I'm going to go. say this. I think if the Flyers are serious about making a cup run, they're going to have to get some higher-end talent. And you and I might disagree. I dis, I've disagreed with with people in this regard. But it's an interesting experiment that they're doing, which is being good to very good three to four lines deep, um, but not great on any line. And again, not a knock against anybody – we just don't have the same talent as that um, Bergeron, Marchand line in Boston. You know, we don't have it. We don't have the same talent as the Dreisaitl and McDavid's of the world. It just, or Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner. 
there are just some players of a certain caliber we just don't have. And um, I feel like when you get to in the playoffs and later, it will be more difficult. Um, just look at Barzell and the Islanders, you know, and Tampa. Tampa has talent everywhere. Um, and it's not often that you see it happen. It did happen in 2019 oh, yeah. with St. Louis, but yeah. they still had some players that are borderline very good to great. Um, but if you look up, well, Couturier probably is, but we he's are, not the are, way that we you don't have a top 20 player. Traditionally. If he's not top 20, he's top 25. And we have a top five goaltender. Right. So that solves for a lot. Yeah. Um, but the reality is, it's like we don't have a top five or top 20 point getter. It's, it's, a, right. it's a hard way and once, you know, the big guys get more ice back, time. Other than that 2019 team, it is littered with the Penguins, the Blackhawks, Washington, teams that all have that high-end talent. Um, and you're not going to go get a guy like that in a trade, but you might get a guy like, guy. like who's a top 15 um, or a top 15 point getter, which is not what they have. They just don't have it. Um, and I, I have to wonder if that's trades are very hard. But teams are also going to get desperate come this year's trade deadline. The cap is flat. Teams are going to look at next year's deadline and what they might lose in the expansion draft. And you might see some stars getting moved. And I wonder if the Flyers are one of those teams making a call. Um, and I'm not the biggest fan of trade deadline moves, but I just don't know that I like this team a lot and I like what they're doing. I like being deep, but it is, I, I don't know that they have enough to really be, a, I'd love for them to prove me wrong. I really would. Um, I just don't know that they have enough to beat the Tampa Bays of the world. Very good. Right. It seems that the we're not below. And there's going to be some hard decisions. We're not, we're not far off. Um, but we're a little bit with who you're exposing. If you bring Patrick back after this year, um, who you're exposing to the draft or the expansion draft, um, who you're signing or not resigning. They've got a lot of difficult decisions there because they still do have, they had to make those, make those decisions with those third and fourth line players that we let walk like Pitlick, like Nate Thompson, because you wanted to put the kids to come up and, and get those spots. And they're going to be in that position for the next couple of years with what do they do with getting the kids into the lineup and who do they keep and who do they let walk or who do they move on from? No, it's a good, it's a good problem to have. It's a tough problem to have. It's still a end problem, up with, it is, and we'll it see. Is a problem. I just spent all that time earlier about kids and too much pressure. We'll see because there isn't, other than maybe Frost, there isn't a player in your system that is a top, you know, is, is better than a top six projection. You don't have a hot. Wisdom is a fourth round pick, fifth round pick. Zadie Wisdom. Nice player. We'll see what he becomes. There's not a kid in the system right now, other than maybe York, um, who has a high end pedigree. He's a defenseman who has a high end pedigree. So you've got, 
you know, we'll see what these kids become. I don't want to judge 16, 17, 18 year old kids. Um, in some cases, 20 to 21 year old kids. I don't want to judge them yet. They're very young, but there, you don't have a Jack Hughes in your system. You don't have an Andre Svechnikov in your system. These are guys that maybe people who are casuals know, but these are guys that were drafted within the last, like since Patrick was drafted that are already have already surpassed, you know, or, or have earned that top pick. And you don't have one of those guys in your system. So again, maybe they've some, somebody comes into that. Maybe Bobby Brink is an elite goal scorer, um, but we don't know. It doesn't look like that trajectory. He, he looks like he's going to be a very nice player. Uh, and we're a team of very nice players. And we're, we're in a conversation of, do we need a great one? And does one exist in your system for four years from now? When your Giroux, Voracek's, and Couturier, well, Giroux, Voracek's, Couturier, when they're long in the tooth or retiring or moving on. Yeah, we'll see. Should be uh, should be interesting we'll for see. Fletcher. I have hopes that they're going to make years. a little bit of a playoff playoff run. You know, I don't think that this team's bad by any stretch. Are they good enough? That remains up to remains up to debate. Um, in the pat in the past little while, this has not been how the high end teams that have won the cup have been built. That being said, it's an interesting experiment. We have Ron Hextall to thank. Um, he was a better than average drafter. Um, got NHL players and rounds that you're not supposed to. And we have that to look forward to with him and on the other side of the state now. <laughs> so with all that being said, I think we hit a lot of stuff today. Very exciting. All right. So, I, 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 there's the a lot to, there's a lot to chew PA. on, a lot to unbox here on the driveway athletes. Not the TN, not the TNA, not the DA, not, not the DWA. Driveway athletes. <laughs> if if a hot dog company, we'll, we'll not accept a advertising company, money. Reach ASAP. out to us. The phone is open. I don't know. I don't know that we can talk sports and eat wings. Any wing companies out there without the express written consent of the NFL. <laughs> if we get a wing if we get a wing sponsor right, uh, we can talk we can do episodes time. on wings shit all right billy bye bye accomplished i think we got a lot accomplished today